Let us pray. Holy Spirit, in your light we see light. We ask that you would illumine the hearts and the hearing of your people that we may give glory to uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Sometimes I like to think of uh, 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 new and uh, a little bit offbeat images or titles for our Lord Jesus Christ. Things that are maybe from our culture that are totally anachronistic to the text and have nothing to do with anything that was ever in the Bible. Uh, This week, just, you know, we're having fun here. Think about our Lord Jesus Christ as a Knowles instructor. Any of you ever heard of Knowles National Outdoor Leadership School? It's a school usually for young adults. Sometimes uh, after high school or college, you go there and uh, you learn all kinds of outdoor skills, rappelling, kayaking, whatever. But the, the final test is when the Knowles leader takes you out into the wilderness someplace you don't know and gives you a compass, enough rations for a few days, uh, things to sleep with, a a pack on your back, and says, okay, now make it back to home base. Uh, There's something in that that I think suggestive of this text this morning. It's as though Jesus says to his disciples, uh, hey guys, we've been car camping long enough. It's been nice looking at the waterfall and going down the nice path, but uh, from now on, we're not going to have the propane stove in the back of the station wagon. We're not going to have one of those nice uh, air mattresses that you pump up with the little electric thing. No RV park for you anymore. Now we're going backpacking, so I want you to look at your gear list and look at it very carefully. Scrutinize everything on it. You're only going to have a few things, no extra bag, no, no bag filled with bags, no extra money purse, no extra shoes. You don't need camp shoes. Don't take that stuff. Get lean, get ready, get lightweight. I'm sending you out. Is this a kind of uh, kingdom minimalism that Jesus is uh, pushing on us, the gospel of decluttering? If it were, that would probably be word enough for many of us. I don't know if you've ever seen the numbers, but uh, we're told by the American Self-Storage Association that there is more than 2.3 billion square feet of self-storage in this country alone. That's enough, I'll do the math for you, that's enough for every man, woman, and child in this country to have seven square feet of storage to their very selves. You, you could, you, every one of us could lie down and have a nap in a self-storage facility at the same time. Uh, some of us need to hear that word, like, hey, what have you got and what's it for? But while minimalism might be a pretty good idea on its own, Jesus isn't here giving us a command for how to live our lives at all times and all places. As a matter of fact, there's a point later in the Gospel of Luke where he says, uh, hey, if you don't have enough stuff, you might want to go out and buy it. Um, If you have an extra coat, bring that along because it's going to get rough. No, for Jesus and his disciples here in the Gospel of Luke at this stage, the things that we are to carry have everything to do with the mission that we're being sent on. 
All through this middle section of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has been continuously empowering his disciples to go out and do the very things that he has been doing. He, he teaches them, he coaches them up, he gives them uh, wisdom and knowledge, a good word of encouragement. And as he says here in the 10th chapter, he says, I'm sending you to all the places that I myself intend to go. And the point about what the disciples have or doesn't have is less about what sparks joy in their own personal journey and more about how he is involving them in his mission. It's his mission. And not only that, but he gives them a word of warning. This mission that I'm sending you on is no walk in the park. As we've seen at the very end of this story, this mission is sending his disciples out into a kind of cosmic battle. Notice the last verse, uh, toward the end at least, his disciples say, Lord, uh, we spoke peace, we said the kingdom is near, and wow, we didn't realize it, but we were actually doing battle against the very demons and the forces of evil. The mission that Jesus sends us into also means war. Now, uh, just a quick word about this. If, if military imagery and the language of war were only one sort of metaphorical template that we put on to the, the church's task and mission, that would be pretty short-sighted. Nevertheless, it's always, worth, it's always worth using the language that Scripture itself uses to talk about our, our place on earth, right? But in this case, I, I think it's worth describing our life in the church as a kind of battle, at the very least, to remind us of what the stakes are. The stakes are nothing less than life and death. And Jesus himself was under no illusion about having enemies. In our own day, we need to recognize the seriousness of our mission, not just for our own sakes, but for the very life of the world. Earlier today, uh, when in our other scripture reading, we heard Paul say something from Galatians about how we are to speak a word of exhortation and correction to someone who is trapped and ensnared in some sin that is causing them to be less than what God wants them to be. And that's an awfully strange word that doesn't make a lot of sense insofar as it extends to our life as isolated people. But if we are on a mission together, if we're being sent out like members of a military unit who have a job to do, well, then that, the, the discipline that is required for the mission sort of uh, comes into starker focus, doesn't it? I mean, you think about a group of army buddies who have been dropped behind enemy lines. They might not... Uh, be worried about uh, Jimmy's smoking. They might not be concerned that Jimmy, when he's 70, is going to have lung cancer. But if Jimmy fires up a Marlboro Red while they're behind enemy lines, his buddies are going to have a lot to say about that, right? He's endangering their lives. The discipline of simplicity, of letting go of all the things that we don't need to accomplish God's purposes, that only makes sense when it comes into focus with what we've been sent to do. 
So how's that going for you? I wonder, don't raise your hands. Uh, I wonder if any of you have ever had someone in your church exhort you or encourage you as it relates to the things that you have and do not have as you go about the work of God. I mean, it's, it's almost uh, too weird to even think about that a brother or sister in Christ would say to you, boy, I've, I've, I've noticed uh, the things that you're consuming and I'm worried because we have a mission to do. How's that going for us, church? After all, are we on a mission together? Do we think of our church as a unit on mission? Or do we think of our church as something that's more like a mess hall? Now, I want to explore this difference between mission and mess hall for just a few minutes as we talk about our life together and the way that we image the work of the church together. Because unfortunately, I think a lot of contemporary church culture inadvertently draws us into a kind of gospel of maximalism, not minimalism. More people, more stuff, more money, more busyness going on. And we have, fortunately, this word from Jesus that draws us into his mission and asks us, do you really need all that stuff? So first, what is the stuff that we're talking about? Now, Jesus was literally telling his literal disciples not to take a literal extra coat. But in the church, the stuff that we come into the church to get and to use, those are spiritual realities. We talk about the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in his body and blood at the table. Maybe the things that we carry through our lives are the presence of Christ that we reconnect with in the church. Maybe it's a sense of joy or peace or any of the fruits of the Spirit that we talked about last week. Those are the things that we come to church for, but how we carry them, how we possess them, how we utilize them has everything to do with whether or not we're in mission or whether we're coming to the mess hall. So a mess hall, you know, is like, a, it's like the cafeteria of an army base, right? A mess hall is an institution that dispenses its goods to a select constituency. There's probably somebody at the door who makes you flash an ID card to get in. And once you're in, once you have the credentials, you're in. But think about how different that is than a mission. A mission is a group of people who belong together not because they flash a badge, but because they are doing common work together. In a mission, people are on the move. They're not just doled out a dollop of potatoes because they happen to be in line. On a mission, people find their own resources. They discover resources and skills by their wits and wisdom. In a mess hall, it's a, it's a buffet style, right? Well, I, I like that kind of music, and I, I, I really enjoy, I, I like sermons that tell a lot of stories. Uh, I like Anglicanism because uh, I was an English major, and I, I, I've always been kind of a poetic soul, and I, I enjoy that kind of lofted liturgical literature. I'll have a little of this, and a little of this, and a little of, that's not a church on mission. 
as we've said, the grace and fellowship, the experience of God's presence that we get in the church is to be put into action. In a missional church, members find these things as they move along the path together. It's not a matter so much of uh, showing up at church and showing your baptismal certificate and say, well, I, I'm a cradle-roll Anglican, I'm a cradle-roll Methodist, or I'm a cradle-roll whatever, I've been here all my life now, give me the goods. Uh, I'm not here to do anything, to go out into the world in Jesus' name, just show me the salvation, baby. I actually thought as I was writing this sermon, since we're in kind of an ironic, uh, hipster-like town in Athens, our, our church t-shirts should be ironic and kind of hipsterish, and they should just say, St. Thomas, I'm just here for the salvation. <laughs> and then when somebody's like, what does that mean? She's like, uh, it's ironic, you wouldn't get it. <laughs> just show me the salvation, baby. I don't, I don't, I don't want to participate in it. I don't want to uh, get my life in line with the grain of the universe. I just want to be handed stuff. I, I need you to make me feel a certain way, and when I get worn down by living life as normal, I'll come back in here, and y'all will charge me up again. So I ask you, is St. Thomas a missional church or a mess hall church? The staff, the preachers, the deacons, we can say, we could talk to we're blue in the face. The answer to that question is up to you. You see, Jesus' power always goes out from himself, whether or not he was raising someone from the dead, healing a sick person, or empowering his disciples. His power never stayed up on high. It always flowed out to others. And the power of his word that we acclaim in this pulpit, it has to go out the door through you. So I ask you, do you want to be part of a mission or do you want to come to the mess hall? And I, asked this, I, I put this question so sharply, not because I don't think that we're succeeding as a church, but because I think we are. Later this week, Father Daniel is going to send out uh, a sort of, you know, six-month update for the year 2022 by the numbers. Here's how we're doing. And by the numbers, we celebrate what God has done. Last week, we thought it was going to be a low Sunday. We had 150. That was like Easter last year. Normally, people come in five minutes late. They have a hard time finding a place to sit, right? Pretty soon we're going to be bursting at the seams and looking for what God wants to do for us next. It's very encouraging to see what God has done through the likes of me and you. And we give God the glory. We praise the Lord that God sent Father Daniel here to this town because Daniel saw that the field was white with harvest. And that's all very good. But in this season of growth and harvest, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to remember the mission. Especially as we enter this season of growth and think about what comes next for us. Yeah, sure, uh, we need more pews. Why do we need more pews? Because we need more people. Do we need more people so we can feel good about how many people we have? Or because we need more people out in the world doing the mission? The measure of our faithfulness is not about whether or not we have the stuff. 
The measure of our, our faithfulness is about whether God has come near to us and sent us forth in his name. So what does all this mean for what you carry on the mission? For where you go and how long you stay there? We're going to talk about that for you personally, but first I, I think we can sketch, uh, we, can, we can make a couple of sketches, like broad outlines from this text at least, about Jesus' instructions for what mission in his name looks like. First of all, anytime we're out on mission with Jesus, it will be a fragile mission. We, we talk a lot about going forth in the power of the Spirit and, and, and the truth of God's Word and how that empowers us. But here we see a group of 70 disciples that Jesus says will be sent out like sheep among wolves. Let's be clear, no matter how much militaristic imagery we use, we are never the wolves in the church. We're always sheep. We are sheep who rely on the good shepherd, and that's not a very flattering picture, is it? But it's a fact. And in the church, I exhort you to be on guard against all strategies by which the church would try to assure herself that she doesn't need a shepherd because things are going fine. Thank you very much. Let us not rejoice merely when Christians gain control of powerful secular institutions. Rejoice instead that you have a good shepherd. And notice how Jesus' instructions about the fragility of the mission extend in even the way that they're to go about receiving hospitality. First of all, uh, in, in this image, Christians aren't the ones giving hospitality, as important as that may be. No, the fledgling church, always in danger of being overpowered by the world and the flesh and the devil, the little church, the little ship of Zion, it goes out into the world needing to be protected from the storms that rage all around. So Jesus says, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about being a guest. Don't overstay your welcome. Don't, don't go looking for who has the, the, the best uh, stakes in town. Speak peace. Speak the nearness of the kingdom and receive what you're given. We're a pilgrim people dependent upon the kindness of strangers. And Jesus sends us out into places that may not receive our peace. And that's not only a warning and an exhortation, it also ought to be good news for us. Jesus says, you go to some towns and you say, peace be with you, and they welcome you, great. You go to some towns, you say, peace be with you, and they say, get out of here, Christian. Uh, that's really good news. For those of you who would go out this door and try to do things in the name of Jesus, uh, if it doesn't work out, stop whining. It's not your mission. If you're not getting rejected every once in a while, you're probably not trying hard enough. If you're not, uh, if you never have a conversation with a secular person that goes a little bit awkward and sideways because you said something about God, uh, just consider that Jesus tells us that the mission is going to fail from time to time. Cheer up. 
It's not about you and your grand plans to make St. Thomas successful or to make your Christian organization the tops. It's about Jesus. Your job is to look around and assess to the very best of your ability where you think the harvest needs to be brought in. And let me just also add, doing the mission of God isn't always about Jesus talk, right? I mean, occasionally, yeah, sure, make it awkward. But if you're regularly making it awkward such that you don't have any non-believing friends, that's also a problem. So with this sketch of the mission, I encourage you, really, it's up to you to fill in the details of what that looks like in your life. No matter who you are or what you do, you are empowered by Christ to say something in your everyday life. To say, again, in your own words and in a way that that hits home with the people that you know, to say things like, peace be with you. Think about that. How can you speak peace in your words and deeds every day to a world that is so divisive and weird? How, how can you in your work say the kingdom of God has come near? Hint, it's probably not by saying the kingdom of God has come near. I mean, you remember, of course, what the kingdom of God is. See, this is the whole point here. Like, uh, the preachers have it easy. We say all these churchy words, justification, sanctification, Francis of Assisi, kingdom of God. And it's up to you to do the work of translation, to remember what we have talked about, that the kingdom of God is anywhere that God's reign and rule is the way that God wants it to be. And if you're Bill White there on the back row and you are uh, a pool man, you know, Bill has a kingdom vocation to make pools a place of joy for children. And he does that by being the very best doggone pool man that he can be. When the kids jump into the pool, it doesn't sting their eye. Why? Because Bill the pool man is saying the kingdom of God has come near. I know Bill, and I know that he sees his vocation that way. Of course, there are others of you who are in full-time Christian service. I was talking uh, with Jesse and Jonathan a few weeks ago about their work empowering missionaries from all over the world and helping them have routines of rest and service that are sustainable over the life of their missional commitment. So everybody between Father Daniel to Bill White, all of you, no matter where your work falls on that spectrum of supposed holiness, you're still being sent forth in mission. You still have to translate the goodness of God's kingdom, his kingdom reign in whatever you do and whatever you are. Some of you old people are saying, well, I'm old. I don't know what you, I can't even see good at night. I don't like to drive in the evenings. And to that, I would say, just remember that the kingdom mission is a mindset. It's not a literal place. If you're old and you still know how to use the telephone, use the telephone and call people and tell them, peace to you, brother, peace to you, sister. 
God's not done with you yet. You have a ministry of encouragement to the kids who were here today. You say, well, I'm just a little kid. This is grown-up stuff. This is more churchy grown-up talk. I have seen you experience the presence of Christ in St. Thomas Kids. I know that you know what it looks like. How do, you play, how do you play with others in a way that says, peace be with you? You know what peace is. You know what the peace of Christ is. And we expect you and exhort you to live that peace everywhere you are, from old to young, nine to five, full-time Christian ministry. Christ is sending you on a mission. Every week at the end of worship, we have a little part called the sending forth where the deacon comes from the narthex and says this week, uh, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Our sending, our sentness is a part of our worship. Worship is a picture of the world and the conclusion of our worship is to be sent forth. I loved it during the Sundays after Pentecost, we would say, go forth in the power of the Spirit. That's because Christ has given us something in, in, in this church that even the disciples had. Do you know that? Because even when Christ sends us away from his presence, he's with us through the power of the Spirit. Through the Spirit, we are His ambassadors. Through the Spirit, we stand in His authority. Through the Spirit, we have everything that He had. One of the fun things about Dinners for Nine and community groups is you get to know people in the church that you just kind of pass them and say, hi, peace be with you. Uh, but then when you eat dinner with them and have time to relax on the porch, you find out all kinds of cool stuff. In one of our groups, uh, there was a lady who is like a mild-mannered elementary school teacher. It turns out uh, she's got like wicked outdoor skills. And not only is a crackerjack fly fisher woman, but has also been to Knowles, which I never got to do. And she said, you know, uh, my Knowles training terrified me when I was out there in the woods at the end of the week. And I realized that uh, success in life and in the outdoors isn't about so much what you have with you. It's not so much about the stuff as it is using what you've already got to best advantage. Friends, you already have all that you need in the Holy Spirit. You've already been given everything that you need to do mission. And that's not because of your faithfulness, but it's because of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. So when you feel like you don't have what you need to go out on mission, take heart. The fact that Christ sends you out without all the extra stuff shows you his confidence that in the power of his spirit, you do have what you need. Amen.